I feel ask you to stand to your feet, turn your Bibles to Acts chapter one, if you haven't found your place there. I want to read verses one through eight, and we'll be quickly uh, moving along here, so follow with me uh, as quickly as possible. But the Bible says in verse number one, the former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which uh, saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence." When they therefore were come together, they asked for him or asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? He said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Thank you. You may be seated. I mean, just by way of introduction, we begin looking at this text. Our mission as Christians should be to magnify the Lord Jesus Christ uh, through worship and through his word. Uh, we should be looking and seeking to uh, move believers in the Lord Jesus Christ toward a maturity in ministry. Uh, while we were serving as missionaries in Santiago, Chile, we had something in one of the churches on the wall uh, that said every, um, every saint a servant. And so we, as we think about our, our life and our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, our end goal is to get everyone involved in the work of the Lord. And the work of the Lord, the Bible tells us clearly in Luke chapter 19, 10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And so there's nothing that the, the Bible leaves for us to uh, be confused about or uncertain about what that work is. And so that work that we talked about in Acts chapter number 13 that we're called to is the work of going out into this world and preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going out and making Jesus known uh, to our neighbors and to the nations. Uh, so we start here and we go there. And if you look in our text, the Bible says in verse number eight at the very end, uh, there's a sequence that's given that we're to be witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and into the othermost part of the earth. And basically the thing there, it says it's in a sequential order, but it doesn't mean that we go in a sequential sequence. It means that at the same time, we're to be witnessing and sharing the gospel in all of these places. As we're trying to reach our local area, we're also to be trying to reach the people in the regions beyond us with the gospel. And one of the ways we do that is through missions. It's through missionaries who surrender to the work of the Lord to leave their home church and to go to another land and adapt and adjust to that culture that they might win people to Christ and testify of the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now Jesus gave his, his, his apostles here, his disciples in this text and other passages we'll, we'll look at in the Bible, an impossible task. Uh, it was something that was beyond their uh, capability. It was beyond uh, their reason. It was beyond their rationalizing. Their, as they looked at the task of taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, uh, they had no way of understanding exactly how that could be accomplished and how that would take place. Uh, but Jesus nonetheless gave them this task. The apostles, uh, if you think about who they were, they were, they were an unassuming group of, of men. 
Uh, they were just common men. They were just fishermen of the common trade of the area. They wasn't, there wasn't anything that was supernatural or specific about them lives that qualified them more so than anyone else. They were no different than you and I. They, they weren't great orators. Uh, they weren't Pharisees like Paul was and uh, others who had studied religion and had a great handle and a grip on the word of God and could give an answer of everything and every question that every man could possibly ask of them. Uh, they were just a group of men that had faith in God to obey him and launch out into the deep and trust God to do through them what they couldn't do themselves. And we look at this book and, and we read through the unfolding drama of redemption from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a story of, of a great God doing uh, extraordinary things with a bunch of ordinary people. And he still wants to do those same things today. As we just need to put ourselves in the place where God can use us to do those things. But if you think about these men, these men had no religious training. These men had no financial backing. These men had no public prestige. These men had no political influence. They were just common, ordinary men. These men had great obstacles in their way. You think about the people that they were facing and the, uh, the, those who were in governing at that time and controlling uh, the lands. They were going up against the imperial kingdom of, of Rome and as steeped in its paganism and, uh, and debauchery and the sin that filled the streets of the city of Rome. Then they're also going against the intellectualism of the Greeks, which would be a lot similar to what the Hutchins faced with the Kiwi people there in Greek, thinking that our mind is sufficient to meet all of our our needs and if we just put ourselves to it and we apply ourselves we can better ourselves but we still can't save ourselves and they face this intellectualism of the Greeks but then they also face the religious bigotry of the Jews those who because they had the law thought they were not in need of the law and they were not in need of a savior and were trying to earn their own self-righteousness and these are all things that these men were facing these ordinary men who had no special skills, who had no special training, who had no influence over the lives of the people who were ruling these lands. They were facing these obstacles, but in spite of all of these obstacles, Jesus still commanded them to go into all the world and preach the gospel. He, in all of God's goodness to us, the one thing he requires most of us is obedience. The Bible tells us that obeying is greater than sacrifice. And a lot of us, will, we, we want to sacrifice a lot of things to the Lord, but we're doing it to the neglect of obeying the word of the Lord. And we will sacrifice our time to do certain things, but we won't obey the Lord and taking the gospel out and sharing it with others and, and our Samaria and our Jerusalem and our Judea and much less into the other most parts of the earth. But what God requires most of us is obedience, more so than sacrifice. We think about what these men did and what they accomplished and we look at how that it happened. It, it is commanded to us to be witnesses throughout the entire world. The book of Luke talks about that. Ye shall be witnesses. If you're in my introduction to missions class, you know what this English lesson is, right? The noun comes before the verb. In order for us to be witnesses, we must first be a witness. And for us to go out and testify of the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the gospel, we must have first experienced it in our own life. And as we've experienced it in our own life and we've been a witness of the changing power of the gospel, then that motivates us to go out into all the world and preach that same gospel to Kiwis who don't even understand their need of it because we have the hope that it is the power of the gospel that will change their lives. Why is that though? Because we first witnessed it. 
It's hard so many times for us to testify of something we've not witnessed ourselves and to give secondhand knowledge of something. But we are commanded to be witnesses. But before we can witness, we must understand we first have to be a witness. And that's what these men were. They were ordinary men, but they're witnesses of an extraordinary power. They were witnesses of the power of the gospel to change lives because it had changed their lives. We think about our faith. We need to go back to the fundamentals of the faith. We, we need to go back to the great commission that was given. We need to go back to this responsibility. Uh, one of the things that today's message, and we're going to look at some things that will be very helpful to us, but uh, one of the things that, uh, that frustrates me most as I, I sit around and I talk to uh, men my own age, my own generation, and those that are coming behind us when we talk about missions and we talk about the message and we talk about the method and we talk about the means. And uh, there's so many people who are wanting to mess with the method of missions. There's nothing wrong with the method of missions. The method is proclaiming the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't need to change that. there's, There's not a better way. There's not an easier way. There's not a quicker way. We have other means that we've never had, but the method is still proclaiming the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to those who are without Christ. And we need to get back to doing that. We don't, we don't need to sit around and, and have uh, summits and conferences where we try to talk about some better way to do what God has already given us the best way to accomplish. Right. Uh, the students talked about it uh, as they went and they saw these cold, hard-hearted people towards the gospel and they just shared what Jesus meant to them. That hard, fallow ground was broken up. And, and the seed went in and, and others watered. And at the end of the week, we saw the increase with two people being saved. The church that we were in were Ethan and Chloe Bell's church. Their uh, brother Bell was telling us as he was here on campus when we got back that in the 12 years that he's been, I believe it was 12 years of the time that he's been there at that church, that was the first Sunday they've had someone accept Christ as their savior at the church service. You say, wow, I say glory to God. Right. You know why that happened? We just went everywhere we could proclaiming the gospel. Did everyone receive it? Did everyone take it? Was everyone uh, 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 happy that we were there and excited about it? No, but there were some. There were those who God had already been working on and preparing their hearts. But if we had tried to come up with some other way, some more clever way of getting the gospel to them, they still may be there waiting for someone to bring the gospel to them. You think, I think about, uh, Dr. R, you love this illustration. You love most of my illustrations because they have to do with Vince Lombardi and the Green Bay Packers. Uh, he's a great coach. I love Lombardi. I love his principles. Uh, the guys were playing a game, and I was talking, this is a different illustration than we had in class this morning, Antonio. Uh, they were playing, and you would, you would probably know the game if I can remember a specific one. They went up, and they stunk it up. I mean, they played horrible. And, and he said, you know what? Next practice, we're going to go back to the fundamentals. And it, it, it said that as they, they went back to the next practice that he, he reached into a bag and he, he pulled out a football. These are professional football players. He pulls the football out of the bag and he says, gentlemen, this is a football. You would think they would know that, right? But he, he was intent on getting back to the fundamentals. It said of John Wooden that he started every single season coaching his players by teaching them how to properly tie their tennis shoes. Those seniors had been with him for four years. Every single year got a lesson on how to tie their tennis shoes. And we think about this message as we go through these last points here quickly this morning. We need to get back to the fundamentals of our faith. We need to get back to doing what these men done. If we're going to see what they saw, we must do what they did. 
And what they did is they trusted God by faith and they went into all the world and preached the gospel. And so we look at some of these things. The first thing is we need to recognize the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ with us. Verses one through three in our text is the former treaty have I made O Theopolis of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostle who he had chosen, whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. When you see Acts chapter number one, verses one through three, you notice the hero of the book of Acts is the hero that we see in every book of the Bible. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts, verse, uh, Acts 1, 1, the former tree said, I have made unto the opposite of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. The book of Acts isn't a book about the Acts of the Apostles. If your Bible's like mine, it'll say up here, the Acts of the Apostles. That's not what this book is about. This book is about the Acts of the Lord Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit working in the lives of the Apostles. And the book of Acts was written by Luke, a physician that had wrote a, a, another epistle or another book. He, he said the former treatise, he was referring to the gospel according to Luke that he had written, the gospel of Luke. It contains uh, what Jesus began to do and teach on earth. And the book of Acts contains what Jesus has continued to do through the uh, power of the Holy Spirit on earth. It began with Jesus here himself. It continues through the Holy Spirit working through us and in us for the glory of God and for uh, the propagating of the gospel to get it to the ends of the earth. Uh, the book of Acts contains what Jesus uh, has done. The gospels uh, show us that. The book of Acts show us the continuing work of that. The book of Acts is the work of the Lord Jesus Christ through the local church, through the individual believer. The Lord Jesus Christ is still active today. And we think he's not working today like he was working, but he is still working. He's still active through the person of the Holy Spirit of his, uh, uh, working in us as the believers who make up the body of the local church. Luke wrote the book of Luke to share with us what Jesus did. And he wrote the book of Acts to share with us what Jesus is doing. And in the book of Acts, it's uh, through uh, his new body. It's through the church that the Lord Jesus continues to work. In Colossians chapter one, verse 27, the Bible says, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now understand something, we are the visible part of the invisible Jesus. We are not just imitating Jesus as believers, but it is Jesus Christ who lives within us and through us. He's seen in us, not because we're imitating him, but because we're living through him and allowing him to reveal himself to others through the way we are choosing to live ourselves. He's the, he's, not, he's the invisible part of the visible church. And the New Testament church is the body of Christ on this earth. If people are going to see Jesus Christ, they're going to have to see Jesus Christ through you and I. And they're going to have to see us living out the principles that we see in the word of God. And we need to stop doing things for Jesus and start letting him do things through us. Uh, Galatians chapter two, verse 20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ liveth in me in the life, which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Only one person has ever lived uh, the Christian life and his name is not Jamie, his name is Jesus. And if we're to live the Christian life, it will begin with Jesus living it in us. And if you're doing things for Jesus, that's superficial. But if Jesus is doing things through you, that's supernatural. Amen. That's him working through you, not you working for him. 
We must understand that. We must learn that principle. The faith that Jesus has given to us is the faith that we're to be exercising. It's it's not just merely a faith in the Son of God. It says it's the faith of the Son of God. And His faith was perfect. His faith was unwavering. That's the faith that we we have. We have access to through through the Holy Spirit of God. Look at what the Bible says, if you would, in Matthew chapter number uh, 19. Matthew chapter number 19, verse number 26. The Christian life is not difficult. Oftentimes I'll say it's not difficult, but it's simple. But you know what's really interesting about simple things? How impossible they are to do sometimes. We complicate things. The Bible talks about the simplicity that is in Christ. But the Christian life truly is impossible. The Lord designed it that way because we might depend on Him. Look at Matthew 19, 26. But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. We need to stop trying and start trusting. And we need to let Jesus work and live through us. We need to stop asking, what would Jesus have me do? And what would Jesus do if he were here? And we need to start understanding that he is here, that he lives through the person of the Holy Spirit in you and I and in his church. And it's not, it's not what I can do for him, it's what he can do through me. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. The three miracles in the Christian life are the, are the new birth, is the supernatural life, and, and then our transformation. Those are supernatural works. We don't do those. Those are done through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And that's why we can go somewhere like Manila. That's why we can go somewhere like Christchurch. That's why we can go uh, to any of the countries on the continent of Africa or any city. That's why we can have a California for Christ church planting initiative that seeks to go into the hardest cities of America and preach the gospel because we understand that there's a supernatural work that can be done and we have a supernatural power to accomplish that work. But we have to trust in that. We have to believe God for that. Go back to Acts chapter number one and verse number two, verse number three. You can read those there. But it said, why did Jesus give the apostles this, this impossible mission? He knew they couldn't do it. That's why he gave it to them. He wanted to give them something that he knew they couldn't do so they'd have to depend on him for it to be accomplished. He wanted them to be able to see him work and not see themselves work. He wanted them to know the power of the gospel, not the power of their flesh. Paul mentioned so many different times how they, it wasn't with enticing words that they preached, but it was with power from the word of God. And he talks about this, the power of the gospel that is able to save. Not our, not our uh, intellect, uh, not our wittiness, not our ability to communicate, but the Bible, the words of God is the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the power to save. And the mission that we have is given in Matthew chapter number 28. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Here's the thing, we are to go out and we're to make disciples and those disciples are to be marked by uh, believing in the Lord Jesus Christ as their savior and then following the Lord's uh, baptism to identify with that doctrine and that's the commands that Jesus has given to us but not as he, he's not only given us those commands, he's promised us all power in heaven and all power on earth and his very presence with us to do the work that he's called us to do. 
there's this promise that we have the presence uh, that we have from him. We have the promise uh, that I just mentioned that he gave to us. And then we also have have the program. We don't need a new program for missions. Uh, I'm excited to be here at West Coast Baptist College. I'm excited for the direction of Pastor Chapel and, and Dr. Getch and Dr. Rasmussen. And, and one of the reasons I wanted to come be here, they're not looking for some new way to do everything. You know what? We need, there's, we, need to, uh, we need to go back to doing things the old way. We need to go back to doing the things the way they did them in the Bible. We need to go back to uh, stop questioning the Word of God and different things that have to go along with that and looking for other easier ways to do something because, quote unquote, the people don't want to hear the gospel. Guess what? They didn't want to hear the gospel in the Bible times either, right? I mean, you go you read and study the life of Paul and you follow Paul. Some of them wanted to stone him and kill him. They didn't all open him in welcome arms. They run him out of the city. I don't know why we have this expectation that if we change our method and we change our message, that it's going, it, it probably would have changed the acceptance because it's not the same message. It's not the same method. It's no longer offensive because it's not the gospel. If it's not the gospel, it doesn't have the power to save. And we need, a, we need a student body graduating from West Coast Baptist College that says, I'm going to go with my Bible and I'm going to go with the power that is in heaven and earth and I'm going to go with Jesus Christ and I'm going to preach the gospel to every creature because Luke tells us, no, I'm sorry, as Mark says, every creature needs a preacher. And I'm going to be the preacher for some creature somewhere. Stop arguing, stop debating, and stop looking for some other way to do what God has already clearly commanded us to do. And follow this example. If you'll do that, you'll see great success because it is obedience that he requires of us. It's not results. The results are in his hands. And when you learn that, it'll liberate you. It'll make you free from all this nonsense that's going on today. Because all you have to do is simply go in the power of the Holy Spirit and preach the gospel. That's all you have to do. That's sufficient enough. God can use you. God will use you with what you have. God will use you where you are. And God will supply your every need. And here's a program that he's given to us. And that program is simply what we find in Matthew chapter number 28. His program is once, I told the class today, I'll tell it to you two ways because some people don't understand good Southern English. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who will save anybody. All right, for you Yankees, I'm, that means I'm no one trying to tell everyone about someone who will save anyone. All right. Either way you want to translate it, it says the same thing. Jesus Christ is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And the reason they're not coming to repentance is because we're not taking the gospel to them. The gospel hasn't lost its power. We've lost our confidence in it. And we just get back to realizing that his presence is in our, in our, it, 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 we have the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. We must get back to realizing the power that we have in the gospel. And we must get back to the program that he's given us. Folks, I, I want to challenge you this. And, and I apologize. I went over a bit longer than what I meant to. But I'm pretty excited. <laughs> I'm pretty stirred up about some different things. I just believe that God really could. You know, I don't know if any of you are seeing some of this other stuff that's going on on TV about this revival. I don't know much about it. And I don't get caught up in things like that. But I do believe that if this student body would take what I just preached, which is simply just God's plan of getting the gospel to the ends of the earth, there'll be stories written about some of you that'll be in that library one day that another student will come and check out and will read about. But if you quit, or if you don't stop rejecting this, 
and you don't stop trying to look for some other way to do it, you're going to remain an ordinary person. And you'll never know the extraordinary power of our amazing Savior.